you could go buy it. I don't know that I'd, I'd want to watch it over and over again. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. We've talked about the horror in Austin the day that Charles Whitman climbed to the top of the tower at the University of Texas back in episode 153. But today, Come and Take It watches the award-winning documentary, Tower. But first, what's your favorite thing to do with Big Red? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and be crazy, but uh, my favorite thing to do with Big Red is to drink it. I know that's, uh, that's a strange thing to Ooh. admit, but I, if I come across Big Red and there's no Dr. Pepper available, then I will drink it. How about you, Sean? What's your favorite thing to do with Big Red? Well, I'm going to go the opposite direction and say my favorite thing to do is not drink it because I can't stand Big Red. God, you, I know. you sicken me. You it's sicken me, Sean. It tastes disgusting. <laughs> it tastes. I'll drink Big Okay, look. If I'm given a choice between a cold Dr. Pepper and a lukewarm Big Red and there's nothing else to drink and I'm dying of thirst, then I'll take the Big Red. Well, hey, you know, as long as you're thinking happy thoughts. Look, <laughs> I, I love Big Red as a kid. Uh, I think it's great. And in fact, I, I'm thinking about what to do with Big Red and with summer right around the corner. Uh, I remember one time we did like a Big Red float with vanilla ice cream in the summer one time. I think I might make those for the kids. Uh, and I'm going to actually try something I never have, which is doing the, the old school barbecue with the Big Red in it. So I'm going to find a good recipe, or better yet, listeners, if you've got a good recipe for Big Red in your barbecue, send them to Texas Podcast, and we'll try them out, let you know what we think. So for those who don't know, Tower was an animated documentary and was released at Sundance. It's an amazing documentary film that's a combination of live action with actors, uh, some recreated scenes, some vintage footage, and then they did a, a, an animated rotoscoping technique to recreate a lot of the feeling and conditions. The filmmaker was a guy named Keith Maitland, and he, uh, he was a UT student, and he read this article. It was written in 2006 in the Texas Monthly, and it described the 96 minutes of the siege at the tower. And uh, he, he looked into it. He started re researching it and collaborated with this uh, writer, Pamela Koloff, and uh, really started working to build uh, this film. And uh, if you, it was done, PBS actually hosted it and had it public on their website for a little bit. Uh, it's been at film festivals. It is absolutely intense and worth watching every minute of. I was completely blown away. And so today we're just going to talk about some of the themes, topics, ideas, and things that really struck you about this amazing, amazing film. So, so to give you an idea of what rotoscoping is, if you've seen the movies, uh, the, the uh, Richard Linklater movies, Waking Life or Scanner Darkly, uh, or going back a little bit further, if you've seen the original cartoon of The Lord of the Rings, uh, rotoscoping is a very old animation technique where you take live film footage and you take that film and you blow it up and then artists sketch over it and draw over it or paint over it. And so 
what they did to make this movie, rather than filming reenactments on the university campus, which A, doesn't necessarily look like it did in the 1960s, and B, would be difficult to do because it's extremely crowded and and there was there would probably be some questions and some concerns. Um, what they did was they took a combination of, fa- of old footage and stock footage, uh, news footage from the time, as well as reenactment with actors and actresses playing the parts. And they filmed in mostly in backyards and uh, in production studios. And then they would take that film and they would animate it over and would create the aesthetic to showing really the, the geography of the campus, but also of the geography of the area at the time. Because if you remember, Guadalupe Street and uh, the, the area around the campus uh, the shooter was actually hitting people on the street way far away from campus. And so you're not ever going to be able to capture that in a film or a documentary or a recreation. So what they chose to do was, again, to rotoscope over existing footage as well as general footage that they took of the area and and, and animated that. So it gives it a very interesting look and feel because you have interspliced in the actual film footage of the shooter firing out of the tower, actual film footage of some of the people um, taking cover, uh, some of the people that have been shot. Um, so you have that on this this uh, in this filmmaking technique, and it really really draws you in and makes you feel like a part of it. and And it's a very fascinating way of filming. Yeah, well, I mean, I think certainly. what really worked. Yeah, I think what really worked for me about it was the way um, the way it's presented. The the very fact that it was people's actual words in many cases, um, you know, directly from interviews about their memories. The the animated uh, look of it made it like a dreamscape, kind of like you know, hey, these are my memories. Um, this is what I remember. I'm telling you this story. Whereas I think if they had gone, you know, more uh, realistic with the look of it it would have been more distracting because I would have been drawn to the, the imagery of it rather than kind of this combination of the words and the, the drawings to, um, you know, kind of elevate it to a, a different level. What, what I thought was really amazing about the story is, so there's two things I think that really make this a successful documentary. I think one is, is um, it takes something that you, you know, documentaries can either show you something, a world you're absolutely not familiar with, uh, which could be everything from professional tickling to, uh, you know, the the wild world of side hacking or whatever other crazy like sport or something. You know, it gives you a view to something you don't know. Or I think in this case, it takes something that we're intimately familiar with and really draws you deep into the experiencing it. So we understand that there was this terrible tragedy, but you know, it put you right in the, in the shoes of the people as it was happening to them and the decisions they made and the way they felt. And, um, you know, you go to Texas and you think you see the tower and I always think of the towers happening in the square, but when you really look at it, they show you, you, you talk about how far that shot is. There are some shots where people are blocks away and are getting hit. And it's and then they look up and you see the tower way off in the distance and you're like, wow, like it it would have just been like something fell out of the sky and hit you. You have no idea what was going on when he was up there uh, when it first started. This is what was really interesting to me is that on our episode, 
we made sure to give the names of each of the people that were killed because when I wrote the episode, I felt it was important to honor their memory. Um, and so we mentioned every single one of the people that were killed and we mentioned the number of the people that were wounded. However, we didn't necessarily talk so much about people that were there or by name. We didn't mention people that were there or were observers or were assisted and helped rescue people or save people that had been shot. And so this film actually takes a really good cross section of people uh, that were involved in this day. So they the the biggest main central thread of the story is Claire Wilson, who was the first person shot out in the in the quad. Obviously, the the families that were killed inside uh, the tower were the first victims, but Claire was the first person that was shot. And if you remember from our episode, uh, Claire was a young student and she was pregnant. And she was walking with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend was killed, and Claire lost her baby. But she was shot and laid in the middle of the, the mall for the entire time. And so Claire really is kind of the central thread of the story. But there's also, they have to, they, they show James Love, who was one of the young men who was an observer. Uh, they, we hear from Ray, uh, all three of uh, the individuals who actually stormed the tower, uh, Houston McCoy, Ray Martinez, and Alan Crum, who was the civilian manager of a bookstore who who assisted the police officers. So, uh, and then we hear from um, a young boy who was a uh, shot riding his bicycle with his cousin. He was delivering newspapers. He was just riding his bicycle and he got hit in the hip. So we hear from all of these people and hear their stories uh, and their observations of what occurred. And they're really the narrators of the story. So, so that to me was that really put a personal face on this is not only the people that were shot, and obviously we can't talk to the dead, but not only covering the stories of the people that were killed, but the people that were hurt. There was another young woman. I forget. I don't remember what her name was. She was in a classroom across the street and she basically was in the classroom and, and saw everything that happened. I think she talked about that. She saw Mike, she saw your uncle's friend uh get shot yeah yeah i do remember oscar. seeing it. she yes. saw oscar get shot yeah and and it was but i i thought that was really really an interesting way of presenting the story yeah and you know it's like i said it goes into more detail on the the people not only the people that were shot but some of the people that were just around and observing these events and their accounts of things um what is also um kind of significant about this documentary is they don't <sighs> I don't remember now. I don't know that they ever, they maybe mention uh, Whitman by name once or twice, um, if at all. I mean, I honestly trying to remember a moment when they mention his name. And they, in our episode, we we talked a lot about who Charles Whitman was and what his history was and how he arrived at this uh, momentous occasion um, in his life and in the world. But this documentary almost completely ignores him as a person. He, they, they just focus completely on the experiences of the victims and the, the people around the event, uh, which I thought was very remarkable. And, um, you know, because it, it's, it's not the tendency that we have when one of these incidents occurs. We always, people want to know the unknown. They want to know what drove this person to do this horrible thing, Um but in this case, I think it would have worked against them because really what they're trying to tell is the, the story of these people that experienced this. It was just amazing because we, we, this was something we had studied. 
We'd read about, we knew the names of all the victims. We actually walked through all of the uh, evidence of, you know, this is what happened at this time. This is what happened at this time. And so it was a bit like reading a play. I think when we did our first episode on and research on it, and then the way it was presented from such a very personal point of view of the victims and participants really uh, was a bit like watching. Now it was now I'm watching the play, you know. Uh, it's different between reading Hamlet and seeing Hamlet, I think, with history. And I think it's the importance of documentaries like this. I was um, incredibly moved when they uh, interviewed one of the officers at the end. And, you know... Even though he made it across the quad, he got to the tower, he got upstairs, he was up there to help. Um, uh, even though he was up there and, and helped dispatch of Charles Whitman on the top of the tower, you know, he still sat there and said, you know, if I'd have just gone right to the tower, uh, Officer Speed would not have been killed. My friend would still be alive today. And you could see... All these years later, the heavy regret that this man held just because even though he he acted bravely, he did what he was supposed to do. And it was just it was just like, wow, like either even the heroes of that day still carried a massive guilt of what was happening. You know, you mentioned that I was thinking about that earlier uh, before we started recording the the way that these people reacted to the situation, I think, is extremely well. I don't know because I haven't been in that situation and I haven't really studied it or anything, but it seems to me that it was people reacted in a very different way than they would today. Um, because at the time when this occurred, it was the first shooting of its type. You know, it, it's not like it's something, you know, sadly nowadays that we've kind of, um, if we're not really used to it happening, we're accustomed to the idea that it's something that happens. And so if we ever – I feel like a lot of people now, if they're caught in a similar situation, they would uh, – you know, it would still be horrible. But people may – might react more quickly to try and put a stop to it, I guess. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just an interesting thing to look back on the, the first real occurrence of something like this and compare it to how we, you know, think about things today. Yeah, but I think that there's an interesting – dual thread in this this film and one of them is is the is like mike said the regret and the guilt and the survivor's guilt right that these people are still haunted by this in a lot of ways uh and i'll and i'll circle back to that though because there's there's also a thread of of hope and of heroism in this story and by that what i mean is as claire was laying on the ground her story really is a microcosm of the, the heroism and the remarkable heroism that people did uh, perform to try to save her. There was a young woman and her name was Rita Star Pattern, and she 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 passed away a number of years ago. But she ran out to this quad and went out to her and laid down with her on the ground. Despite the shots going on around her, she braved gunfire to go help this, this young woman who she didn't know, didn't know her at all. Um, and another person who tried to go out to help her had been killed. And so, and so she, she went out to, to help her uh, and just to stay with her and stood, stayed with her and basically kept her alive by talking to her. And, yeah. and then, then one of the voices on, uh, the narrators is, is James Love is a young student who, who went down just to see what was going on. And, and, uh, he had a panic attack and he, he was, they were, they were, 
they're taking shelter and it but but eventually he and his friend and and another guy just went out there and they went and they they picked her Claire up and carried her out um so you know and they and there was a really remarkable scene where James and and Claire meet you know recently and and James says I, I I'm just so sorry I didn't go out sooner I feel guilty uh, and she said don't don't you don't have to you you came to help me and you you still did that so you know, and then and then Alan Crum who who just went towards the tower to get shelter but he got so angry he he got behind a column and flipped flipped Whitman off and Whitman shot at him and nearly nearly hit him but then he went in with those police officers and you know to take the take the shooter down so there's just a remarkable thread of 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 heroism in this even in this horrific event so but it, i think it but the the interesting thing also is i'll say this is that claire who's the one person you would think should should be bitter and angry showed that she had forgiven whitman and forgiven everything and had had moved on with her life and and was was whole again even though she lost nearly everything so it's pretty remarkable well, the, the the crazy thing is, and I'll challenge anyone in Austin, you know, or Dallas, um, this happened on August 1st. So, I mean, just go out into your driveway and lie <laughs> down on the hot concrete for 96 yeah. minutes just mm-hmm. to keep somebody company who's who's sick and suffering and dying. Um, and, then, and then imagine being shot and lying there on yeah, a hot side. And yeah. then add that to being pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh and and the sad part is is that uh her there's a, a wonderful story about uh Tom who was this man she'd met. She was already pregnant, but this man she'd met and they fell in love and they got a house together and you know, they were gonna build this life together and uh Tom was cut down. He was instantly killed. And so she was laying just feet from Tom, uh you know, as this whole thing is, it's about the most horrible story you can imagine. And then, you know, it ends in this very, um, unexpected, uh, with this unexpected moment of grace at the end. Uh, so it was really just, it's a powerful film. Is there anything that this movie should have had in it that that you would have liked to have seen? Well, that's a tough question because it was so incredibly moving exactly as it is. Um, yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know either. There apparently the at the South by Southwest they showed a ninety two minute version. The movie the one that was shown on PBS was eighty eighty two minutes. So I'd like to see what that other ten minutes is. Oh, yeah, that yeah I didn't good. know that. That yeah. Be interesting to know what they decided to cut yeah, out. And it and it is on Blu ray now on D V D. So you can you could go buy it. I don't know that I'd I'd want to watch it over and over again, uh, <laughs> because it is very intense. It's not as yeah. it's not it's I mean, depressing, I, it's just intense. Yeah, I I'll be honest, I was um I was in tears several points uh, during the during the watching it. Um, it's it's incredibly moving, and it really does put you in the place of these people and the you know what they were going through in those uh, that very frightening afternoon. So I'll throw this out: what what were you surprised by? I was surprised that I was this moved and just experiencing it versus studying it and um and also just to understand that the threads of these people's lives were just absolutely it was just an absolutely normal day and then everything changed in an instant 
And, uh, you know, it just, it, I was really surprised how much I just was, I was already prepared to be struck by the, by the move, by the movie, but I was, I was really surprised how much it actually really affected me. Yeah, I guess, I think we probably mentioned it, um, when we talked about this before, but I guess what it, it took this movie to the way they portrayed it that I didn't think about was all of the people that basically just ran home or ran to their cars and came back with their rifles and were firing back, you know, at Whitman in the tower. And just the idea, you know, that here are the, the police officers and the, the bookstore manager um, up there, you know, trying to solve the situation. And then they're still getting shot at because nobody knows really that they're up there. So, you know, people were still shooting at them. Um, in fact, there's a, you know, in some of the uh, the actual video footage that they show, there's a, a point where Martinez is at the top of the tower and he points out where they had been shot at from the ground. Um, yeah. You know, there's still a, a chip out of the building there, you know, and so they had to basically wave a white flag up there saying, hey, everybody stop shooting. It's over, <laughs> you know, um, that I, I guess I hadn't really realized how tense a situation that was because it's like, you know, how do we get these people to stop shooting? <laughs> The the one that surprised me was uh, the newscaster's story. So the 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 news director for the TV station got in the truck in the car and went down there and was broadcasting live. I was actually telling people, "Don't come down to the University of Texas. It's there's a shooter, an active shooter." Um, but he said when he he broke up into tears because they had called in the semi-retired former newscaster uh, and the guy had been his mentor who. He was on the air giving live reports, and he read a list of the casualties. And one of them, he said, wait, hold on, read that back. And one of them was his grandson, who mm. was a student at the university right. and had the same name. So this was how he found out that his grandson had been killed. That hit me like a ton of bricks. So I, I, I you know, it was, that was a very powerful moment. And I didn't, hadn't read that part of the story. Well, I, I you know, this story, I, I had a long conversation with my uncle um who was who through happenstance and fate was not present that that day when everything was going on but was at the university at the time and i just remember being you know asking the question like and they mentioned this in the film too so what was it like after it was over and he was like it was like tuesday man i mean it just nobody talked about it it was called, you know, nobody talked about the accident or the incident or, you know, it was just a very, they cleaned up the blood, they closed up the building and then that was that. They were done. They just were, life was going to go on and there's no memorializing, there's no, share, you know, and it, uh, and and that's what we, you know, talked about is that, you know, it wasn't until the late 90s that they even considered that this was something worthy of... And that's when President uh, Larry Faulkner became the president. But he was a, just a, a chemistry student there that day uh, who was, you know, he had been there. He was right there next to everything when it happened. And so when he came back as the president of UT, he said, you know, we've got to do something about this because it's a, you know, it's kind of like a, I feel like the, this story was just a splinter in the UT experience that just festered because it was never allowed to heal. You know, it was just a wound that just was never open. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm very proud of the work that these guys did, and they should be very proud, and everyone should see this film. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Another thing that was interesting to me uh, is throughout the film, 
you see the, the, the real actual footage of the tower and Whitman was shooting above the clock and you can see the time going by. You can see the time passing mm-hmm. and you realize, you know, at 45 minutes, you're, for, you're 45 minutes in and the carnage is unimaginable. Um, there, there are people dead everywhere. So it's, it's just, again, we, we talked about it. It was 96 minutes that he, that he killed all those people in 96 minutes. And it's like, you really get a sense of that through that clock, just seeing that clock move and, and seeing your Claire is just, they, they're bleeding to death. And so you're like, when, when is somebody going to do something? When is somebody going to put a stop to this? You really, you really lose yourself. That makes you lose yourself in this, in this film, in this moment of this film. So uh, very powerful stuff. And just amazing, amazing film. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to say, if you take stock in such things, um, it currently has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. There you go. So we aren't the only ones that think this is a, a really amazing film. So uh, it's available today on Blu-ray or DVD. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Google Play. You can get it on on Vudu. Uh, you can go to TowerDocumentary.com to read reviews, see information, uh, and find out a little bit about the team behind this wonderful documentary. Um, but if you are a fan of Texas history, this is a don't-miss-it one. You've got to see this film. So shout out to all of the people who worked so hard on this. Come and take it. Salute you. And uh, we wish you great success in whatever your next project is, hopefully about Texas. Yep. And thank you very much for this wonderful piece that uh, gave a very personal and powerful perspective on such a uh, historic event. Oh, and let's also say thank you to the public broadcasting system, PBS, for airing this, uh, mm-hmm. publicly sharing yeah. it ahead of time. So it was it was fantastic. Yeah, and also you can go back and read The Reckoning by Pamela Koloff on Texas Monthly's website. Uh, it is a update of her 2006 article, and there's a whole lot more details about Claire, about Claire Wilson. So you can learn what Claire really did go through in her life uh, after this to get to the point of peace and forgiveness that she is now. So, uh, definitely check that out. Check that's must, must reading if you're interested in this subject. And we'll put a link to the original article, 96 minutes, which is fantastic oral history, uh, from all of the survivors and victims that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N. And I am Scotticus. You love Texas. You love this show. So help us out. Tell everyone you know to listen and just, you know, grab their iPhone, iPod, iPad, whatever, and make them subscribe. And while you're at it, get out there and leave reviews on iTunes, because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you want to be a true fan and support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash Texas podcast, where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.